Everybody, all right. Good morning, back to life, back to reality. Am I right, people? Woo! Good morning, folks. Today is Monday, September 26th. Welcome to episode number 205 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Beefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news of the day and providing expert analysis on each of these stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, we got you covered. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated. <laughs> Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade, Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Link in the description below. Also, much love and respect to Recon InfoSec. Recon InfoSec's managed detection and response MDR offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Their MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, and customers gain full visibility into their own environment, as well as any incident investigations being worked by the Recon SOC. Thank you, Matthew Necci, for joining the squad. I want to remind you all who hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. Right? So that's two and a half a week, 10 a month. Literally, like right now, this episode you're watching with me right now is worth half a CPE. Okay? So just say what's up in chat. Hashtag Team Live if you don't, you know, know what to say and you just, but you want to say something. Hashtag Team Live. Uh, thanks for being here. By saying something in chat, it gets burned into the stream, right? Because I, I put chat on, on stream right here, right? So no auditor is ever going to be able to question the validity of your uh, claim that you have uh, the CPEs. If you're on replay, you are awesome. Hashtag team replay in chat. I definitely appreciate it. Thanks for catching the stream and staying up to date on the daily cyber threat briefing. Now, if you're on replay, you got the benefit of time travel simply because you can skip ahead. So if you'd like to do that, go for it. Because as we always are tend to do, for the next two minutes, two and a half minutes, I'm going to be sipping on this coffee. Re-entry Monday. Saying hi to chat and welcoming everybody back. So let's do that. Hey, everybody. What's up? Daniel Grimes on Team Live. Justin Ells. Asha's in here. Ken Pryor. Hey, Naomi. Always nice to see you. Naomi made a really banging uh, uh, GRC graphic. I, I definitely want to use that. Good to see you. Hey, Joshua Papia. Tom Bishop. My man. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Hey, Angel Perez. I've decided I'm going to go with different songs that capture the essence of how I'm feeling at that moment for the intro songs always. All right. So you'll have to, you'll have to tune in to see what, what the songs are. Sometimes it's crazy. Like welcome to the jungle. Like last week when I was getting ready, sometimes it's whew, back to life, back to reality. Hey, Carrie. Hey, Joshua B. Hey, Ahmed. 
Good to see you guys. If you are squad members, know that you have access to all these fun emotes uh, and you have the squad role on the Discord server. Uh, if you uh, have suggestions for emotes, I think I could do like 50 or 60 emotes and we probably only have like seven or eight. I don't want to just populate the emotes for the sake of populating them. I want them to be fun and meaningful. So, all right, Jay Smith. Anthony Singleton, there he is. Good to see you. Yeah, for those who missed it last week on Friday, I um, successfully won the Threat Gen Red vs. Blue 2022 Invitational Cybersecurity Esports Tournament, taking down Ken Underhill in the finals. I was red team. No, oh, no, no, I was blue team, excuse me. I was blue team, and I successfully boa constricted a defensive posture that was impenetrable. <laughs> it was good. Hey, Fraud Dog, good to see you. Good to see you, George Strasberger. Hey, Dan Reardon. Dan Reardon, get ready. Dan Reardon is now hosting What's It Meme Thursdays here on Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. So we'll be getting custom, custom, custom uh, memes on Thursdays. Obviously, Grayson, Joke of the Day on Friday and Worldwide Wednesdays on Wednesdays. Thanks, Miss Julian. Hey, Joel Belton. Good to see you. Hey, Asha. Always nice. Aaron KG. Good to see you, man. People are loving that trucker video we worked on together. Hey, Justin Gold. Guys, I want to let everyone know if you um, you should have received your actionable intel email in your inbox this morning. If you did not get it and you have signed up for it, please check your spam filters. Make sure uh, this does come from uh, like it's a, a system called ConvertKit. It comes from one of those systems that handles like mass emails and stuff like that. So sometimes they get flagged. If you don't know what we're talking about, but you want to know what we're talking about, Go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter and uh, you can sign up. It's basically a, a killer email that I send every Monday morning uh, full of actionable intel and no fluff. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. All right, guys. Enough with the pleasantries. Let me take one more slug of the coffee and let's get into the news. Oh, that's so good. All right, guys. Let's get into the news. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Monday, September 26th, 2022. London police arrest 17-year-old hacker suspected of Uber and GTA 6 breaches. The City of London Police on Friday revealed that they have arrested a 17-year-old from Oxfordshire on suspicion of hacking. The department said the arrest was made as part of an investigation in partnership with the UK National Crime Agency's Cybercrime Unit. No further details about the nature of the investigation were disclosed, although it is suspected that the law enforcement action may have something to do with the recent string of high-profile hacks aimed at Uber and Rockstar Games. Both the intrusions are alleged to have been committed by the same threat actor who goes by the name Teapot, also as Teapot Uber Hacker. Uber, for its part, has pinned the breach on an attacker or attackers that it believes is associated with the Lapsus extortion gang, two of whom are facing fraud charges. According to cybersecurity company Flashpoint, the real-world identity of the hacker behind the two incidents is said to have been outed on an online illicit forum. Whoa. Microsoft SQL hold servers on, hacked on. in... Hold on. Okay, so... One thing that I'm confused about in chat, uh, maybe I'll look at chat while we're doing this. Is this the same? They're saying it's the same actor that did the um, the the uh, the lapsus attacks of like um, um, 
was it Costa Rica or uh, no, 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 it was out of Brazil. I forget. Lapsus had a couple big hits. My brain isn't fully working, guys. Lapsus had a couple huge, huge high profile hacks like three months ago. And holy crap. They okay, so if it's the same guy as Sec Meister just said, this guy is really um, flirting with danger, man, because he was arrested months ago for whatever the lapsus attacks were. Um, a couple. Yeah, thank you. Okta, Samsung, Microsoft. I knew it was like big ticket items. Guys, if this guy got arrested and is like pending a trial and stuff like that, and he goes out and hacks Uber and GTA, I mean, um, Rockstar Games, that is not a best practice, guys. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like the equivalent of like robbing a bank. And then when you're out on bail, robbing a bank, like it's not a good look. Um, you know, whatever. I mean, this kid obviously is, uh, you know, talented. If it is true, I, I have a sneaky, um, a sneaky side channel, uh, speculation on this one, but, but long story short, high profile attacks. If you guys don't know about the Uber attack, uh, you should definitely, um, look into it. We covered it last week. Basically, and there's a lot of memes going around on the internet right now, uh, uh, bypassing MFA, not through some clever technical means, but by spamming or harassing uh, the end user until they uh, basically, they deny, 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 and then effectively you wear them down and they just hit approve. And guess what? When you hit approve, the MFA challenges stop coming magically. Uh, and it's because the threat actor has actually gotten in. Now, this kid also uh, got on a WhatsApp and claimed to be from Uber IT, and that was part of the attack too. But two things. One, this kid goes like big game hunting, like like out on Serengeti Safari, big game hunting. So there is that. Um, now, one of my sneaky suspicions, Lapsus um, had, on some of the underground forums, Lapsus is writing communications in um, like, Spanish, but like Brazilian flavored Spanish, a Brazilian dialect of Spanish. Again, I'm not geopolitical or anything like this is just my understanding. And half of me wonders if like this kid set up as a patsy. Um, but, you know, they're going to have, trust me, the UK police, uh, I think that their equivalent of the FBI is involved right now, uh, is definitely going to confiscate all of this kid's uh, tech, right? All his computers, all his thumb drives, phones, heart, you know, everything. And then they're going to go through it. And if they find any semblance of teapot hacker or teapots or any of these things, it's going to definitely tie it to them. Um, the final thing I'll say is like, the, you can just tell, like, I don't know, bigger picture. I feel like when the Uber hack happened, not, I don't, I, I'm not saying I feel, I did say this. When the Uber hack happened, I said, this looks like a teenager. And, and it's just like the brashness and the, you know, quote unquote, kind of the arrogance or the, 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 the haughty, um, to, to use a word that doesn't get enough uh, use in the language, H-A-U-G-H-T-Y, a haughty approach to like like sh sharing that they did that. That's very like 90s hacker style, very, you know, beat on my chest. Uh, and when you're taking on these high profile people who have like very, very powerful people who behind the companies, right? F investing in the company, funding the company, you're messing with people who are in very powerful positions with lots of money, um, they're going to get you. So, uh, this, this dude didn't set up like multiple, uh, sock accounts and, and, you know, hit, did the hit and then moved on to burn that account and everything like that. So anyways, this kid's definitely going to get in deep trouble. Uh, stay tuned on this one. The only thing I wonder is, um, you know, there is this, this, uh, 
in the in the United States, like if you're under 18, you're a kid. Uh, this kid's 17. He's committing major, major felonies. So I don't know if he's going to get tried as a child and then be free at 18. I seriously doubt it. But anyways, um, yeah. Target company ransomware attacks. Vulnerable Microsoft SQL servers are being targeted in a new wave of attacks with Fargo ransomware, security researchers are warning. Bleeping Computer reported similar attacks in February, dropping Cobalt Strike beacons, and in July when threat actors hijacked vulnerable Microsoft SQL servers to steal bandwidth for proxy services. The latest wave is more catastrophic, aiming for a quick and easy profit by blackmailing database owners. Security researchers at Anlab Security Emergency Response Center says that Fargo is one of the most prominent ransomware strains that focus on MSSQL servers along with Globe Imposter. This malware has been referred to as Malox, M-A-L-L-O-X, in the past because it used to append the .malox extension to the files it encrypts. All right. Okay. Um, just reading about the infection process really quickly here. All right. Okay, so check it out. A couple things. One, it seems that there's an uptick in activity around ransomware in Microsoft SQL Server. So if your organization is running um, Microsoft SQL Server as like, a, I, I would say only, I mean, you don't want any of your data getting ransomware, obviously, but like this one, this story goes out to people who like your business, the way that your business generates revenue, the way that ultimately your paycheck gets funded depends on some application that has a Microsoft SQL server backend. You definitely want to pay attention to this one. Okay. The way what's happening at the end of the day, Microsoft SQL server. Yeah. It's a database and everything like that, but it's, there's like files underneath it, right? This piece of uh, malware gets it first. The machine has to be infected already. So this isn't like infecting some like internet facing Microsoft SQL server. So first and foremost, make sure that you have EDR uh, on your SQL servers, Make sure that you have them in like a you know a server VLAN if you want. Make sure that only certain people have access. All of the defense in depth best practices, okay? But let's just say that this machine gets compromised, okay? Um, the ransomware is basically going to shut shut off the SQL Server process. At least that's how I understood it, and then encrypt um, the, the the database files because when when it's running, uh, there's semaphore locks in place so you can't access the files because the database is actively open so it's going to shut it down so that might be another sim detection if you see sql server getting shut down <laughs> uh like mid-process um that's an indicator of compromise you might want to be on the lookout for that obviously you should have you should have the data backed up um the database backed up if not like it depends on the, how, the volume of transactions in the database, right? So daily might be good. If you're like a financial services company, you might, I, I don't know if you're running SQL Server, but um, you might need it like every 15 minutes, right? If, if it's like really time sensitive, high volume transactions, what, whatever it is for your business, make sure that it's backed up and stored somewhere else, not on the same server. That's a mistake a lot of people make. Like, oh, it's right there. That way I can just restore right there. No. You have to move it off because that host would be compromised in this instance. Final thing I'll say is it's called Fargo ransomware. And apparently there is, um, th there's some instances of free decryptors out there. Uh, it's in the news article. So hopefully you never hear about this. Uh, but if you do get hit with Fargo, um, yeah, straight cash, homie. Um, yeah, if you're doing if you're doing real time uh, data duplication of servers, uh, yeah, you've got 
you've got some high value uh, data. But anyways, that's a long story short. Best practices, defense in depth, make sure you have business continuity in place. Look for indicators of compromise on this thing. And if you absolutely still get screwed, uh, there might be a free decryption tool. Next. Attackers impersonate Circle CI platform to compromise GitHub accounts. GitHub is warning of an ongoing phishing campaign targeting its users to steal credentials and two-factor authentication codes by impersonating the Circle CI DevOps platform. The company learned of the attacks against its users on September 16th, and it pointed out that the phishing campaign has impacted many victim organizations except GitHub. Phishing messages claim that a user's Circle CI session has expired and then attempts to trick recipients into logging in using GitHub credentials. The company pointed out that the accounts protected by hardware security keys are not vulnerable to this attack. Agent, what? Hold on, what keys are not vulnerable? I didn't. Um, oh yeah, of course, hardware keys. Duh. All right. Um, okay, so I don't know what Circle CI is. Obviously, it's some type of DevOps instance. I'm not going to spend a terrible amount of time on this. Um, long story short, if you're work at a business that uses Circle CI, this is a priority communication. Like I, I would. I would um, literally, I would stop the stream right now, get this story and fire it over to your DevOps team with a red exclamation point um, priority flag on it and say, hey, check this out. Be mindful of that. Then I would actually go look in my SIM logs uh, or DNS logs to see if circle-ci.com has been resolved or accessed. Um, you can see here, you don't, I mean, phishing... They, they have lookalike sites. Not They don't always go through the effort to come up with a good domain name, but you can see here. Am I going to be able to zoom in on this? No. This is maximum. You can't really see it, but it says circle-ci.com. And I think that that's the phishing site. So these threat actors went uh, one step further and got a really good-looking uh, dom fake domain name uh, to further trick the users. Um so just be mindful of that. It, it's your straight, it's straight phishing. Um, and they put here accounts protected by hardware keys are not vulnerable to this attack, obviously. Guys, here's the thing. Hardware, hardware keys are not, you know, impenetrable, but they are really uh, useful, right? These UB keys, uh, FIDO compliant, whatever. But, but when you do, like, you might be asking, well, Jerry, why doesn't everybody just use hardware keys all, all over? Yeah. Uh, why doesn't someone just use um, hardware keys everywhere? Okay, so I'll just tell you this. I've rolled multi-factor out at organizations before. It's not as simple as just turning on. Unless you want to burn like all of your political capital, you don't just turn on MFA and then punch out and go to tacos, like, you know, happy hour tacos down at the surf club, okay? Like you have to communicate effectively. You have to roll it out in phases. You're going to have all sorts of end users pushing back. And it costs money when you're trying to, most people want to convince end users to install the app on their own device. Why? I'll give you a hint. It's cheapest. It's the cheapest option, right? Um, which in the balance of security too, because like you could just have them um, send text messages to people's phone numbers, but then there's a little bit of uh, insecurity there for various reasons I won't get into. The ideal option is the app, but you got to get people to buy into it. And then some people like Carl, right? Where's Carl? Carl. Carl's got a flip phone, right? Can't download apps on that. Uh, you know, Tina 
is convinced that, uh, you know, that the, the surveillance state is onto her and she refuses to install an app, right? So then you have to go to hardware tokens, but hardware tokens are like 20 bucks a rip. If you have an organization of, say, a thousand people, that's $200,000, right? That, that's $200,000. You're asking for budget for 200 grand just for the tokens. That doesn't include like anything else in your program. That's a huge item uh, for a thousand person company, right? Like obviously, you know, it wouldn't be big for like a 40,000 person company, but then you'd be asking for like $4 million or $8 million, whatever. Anyways, long story short, it's, it's expensive. And that's the reason why it isn't the obvious go-to. Uh, typically what we'll see is hardware tokens for people who can't use the first option that, because of the reasons I listed or get out of here or, ugh. virtual assistant okay so or digital assistant so check it out uh hardware tokens uh for vips and uh people with sensitive privileges is is an option right you, you basically pick and choose who gets those um expensive tokens these don't know what sensitive data new it systems collect on americans according to the gao more than two decades after having been tasked with establishing privacy programs, 14 federal agencies have failed to address key practices for protecting the sensitive personal data of Americans. This according to a new Government Accountability Office report. Agencies that have failed to implement full privacy plans include the Office of Personnel Management, which was the target of a data breach in 2015 that exposed the sensitive personal information of more than 20 million government employees. Agencies that have not developed a full privacy strategy include the departments of Agriculture, Defense, Justice, Homeland Security, Housing and Urban Development, Veterans Affairs, State, Treasury, Environmental Protection Agency, and the Office of Personnel Management. In addition, the U.S. agency that maintains and modernizes the country's nuclear stockpile was criticized in the same report for, quote, lackluster cybersecurity policies that endangered both IT and operational technology networks. And um okay so okay a bunch of things here guys yes i miss clippy too right <laughs> or the dog remember the dog for a minute there the little uh the little dog okay so check it out uh federal agencies tasked with coming up with a privacy plan privacy and security uh they overlap a little bit so, like a venn diagram intersecting um these agencies are massive guys and it's very difficult to implement um programs like this furthermore you know as much as you know i've worked in federal it for years and years and years um and i i mean that well i'm not going to say that on stream um hmm what can i say let's just say it's a very complicated system with a with a very diverse population of um users operating those systems of various skill levels all right i'll just leave it like that as far as privacy goes you've got to remember when it comes to data most people opt in to sucking all of the data up all of it why because you can decide at some point down the line what do we need oh hey good we've got this data or oh well whatever we've got this extra data it's like a, it's like a, it's like having a junk drawer in your kitchen right there's a ton of crap in there that you'll probably never use but when you have a piece of crap and you're like i could throw it away or i'll throw it in this junk drawer right because i might need it at some point down the road that's that's like what these agencies do with with data and you know private businesses do it too well now they've been tasked with like 
okay, why do you have this data? Why are you keeping it? Can you justify it? Are there um, are there processes in place for checking it in and out? Who's allowed to access it? All these things. And they're like, oh, we can't do anything. It'd be the same thing as like doing an asset inventory of your kitchen junk drawer, right? And then and then arguing why you're keeping certain things when there's really no good reason. You're just compulsive and you you like you can't throw it away. Okay, so this is is what it is. Now, one thing that kind of sucks is like they're like, oh, agencies that haven't complied, Department of Agriculture. That's the first one they said, and I'm like, okay, like. Like with all due respect, yeah, there's probably some sensitive data in there, but like I'm okay with that. And then they said Department of Defense, Office of Personnel Management. Like that is, you know, that is down the path of like very sensitive information of of a very uh, diverse amount of U.S. citizens or in national foreign nationals that work with the U.S. Um, I was involved in that 2015 OPM breach. Um, you know, if you have ever gotten a security clearance, which I had I used to have one. Um, they ask you on your SF-86 form all the questions. And they're not really interested in like the good things you've done. They only want to know all the stupid decisions you've made in your life. It's a very painful conversation um, or embarrassing conversation, at least. Uh, and all that information is was uh, involved in the breach. So this isn't good. But also at the same time, we talk about breaches almost every single day on this stream. This shouldn't surprise anyone. U.S. is trying to make an effort at it, but you know it's like trying to put toothpaste back in a tube. Like it's just not gonna work very well. Um, and the systems and the processes weren't designed for privacy in mind, and they're being retrofitted. So it's not gonna go. It's not gonna go well. Thanks to today's episode sponsor, Votero. Can you trust that your content and data is free of malware and ransomware? With Votero, you can. Votero removes evasive and unknown malware from content in milliseconds without impacting file fidelity or usability. It even works on password-protected and zip files, and plus it's an API so it integrates with everything, including Microsoft 365. Learn more at Votero.com. That's V-O-T-I-R-O.com. All right, really quickly here, really quickly, um, really quickly. I just want to take a minute, and, you know, since this is the midway point, and thank everybody for being here. Uh, just remind people again, if you did not get the newsletter this morning and you are interested in getting um, basically three actionable items that you can do immediately when you get the email uh, on Monday morning, let me know. This is the one that came out today. You could see... For end users, the fake Zoom tools. And here's my action, how you can use this, right? Zoom, super ubiquitous. Educate your end users, and they can literally uh, share this with their friends and loved ones so they feel like they're um, you know, part of the security solution, uh, which will help uh, get buy-in from them downstream, especially when you start asking them to do other things down the road. Um, so this is the best practice. If you're interested in getting on the, street, uh, on the newsletter, just go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter. If you are getting the newsletter, uh, drop a comment on what you think about it or if you have any feedback on how to make it better. I do go back and watch the streams uh, to, to read chat and understand, uh, you know, kind of the vibe of what's going on. So let me know your thoughts about this one. Uh, obviously share. I'm going to start tweeting about this thing too soon. So that's the deal. All right, let's get back into the news. I don't want to belabor this. Thank you. VPN providers flee India as a new data law takes hold. 
As of yesterday, Sunday, India's Computer Emergency Response Team, also known as CERT, C-E-R-T, a body appointed by the Indian government to deal with cybersecurity and threats, will require VPN operators to collect and maintain customer information, including names, email addresses, and IP addresses, for at least five years, even after they have cancelled their subscription or account. Last year, India became the country with the highest rate of growth in the use of VPN services worldwide. During the first half of 2021, almost 350 million VPNs were installed, showing a 671% jump in growth when compared to the same period in 2020. The massive growth can be attributed to continuous internet shutdowns, a rise in digital scams and the need for Indians to protect themselves online. As a result, VPN companies from across the globe have pulled their services out of the country in a bid to protect their users' privacy. Yeah, right. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> Two things. One. Okay, so for, for, okay, so two things. One, the India passed this major surveillance uh, law that says, basically, if you use VPNs, um, we're going to find out about it and we're going to know who you are and what you're using. And I don't know if you're going to get logs of where you went, which effectively kind of defeats the purpose of the VPN. If you are using a VPN to, um, hide from, uh, the government. Now I will say that the VPN isn't going to change the encryption of your data, right? So your data streams would still be encrypted. It's not like the VPN is a, um, TLS decryption, re-encryption type thing where, uh, they can sniff in the middle. There are techniques that do that. That's not what this is. This is, oh, Jerry uh, is an Indian um, citizen living in, you know, whatever. Um, we're somewhere, I don't know anywhere in India. Uh, oh, whatever. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so obtuse. So anyway, I, plus I'm not thinking right now. Anyways, I'm an Indian citizen and I jump on a VPN and I go to like these sites or whatever, and then I get off and I'm done. The, the, the government will know, hey, I logged on at these times. I went to these sites. I was online for this length of time. That's all they'll know. They won't know. Um, thank you, Bangladesh. For a second, I was going to say Bangladesh, and I thought Bangladesh was a, a different country, which is embarrassing. Um, but I really thought Bangladesh was a different country. So anyways, um, the, the other thing that I want to point out here, so basically Indian citizens lose privacy to some degree of erosion, right? The, again, they, they can still be encrypted, their data. Now, here's my other thing that kind of annoys me, right? Like in the story, they said companies are pulling out wholesale, like just pulling up their stakes and, and driving away because they care about their, the, their users' privacy. Um, I would push back, okay? Great cash, homie. Do you know, like, for these companies to comply with this law, they need to store this data for up to five years. Do you know, like, is storing data free? No. Is having processes in place to do data polls when the Indian government asks you to, oh, we like this citizen, go pull their uh, last five years of records. The person who's going to go pull that, do they work for free? No. All of these, like, in order to comply with this law, it costs cash. Great cash, homie. Right? So if, 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 the, if the user base is going to stop using VPNs because it's not really providing much security or they're, or they're not going to be able to hide anymore, your, your market's going to go down, right? Your demand is going to go down. So the people paying for your VPNs is going to go down. So your revenue numbers are going to go down. And in order to comply with this law, your processes and personnel are going to have to go up. So literally, 
your costs are going to go up and your revenue is going to go down. From a business perspective, it makes no sense to continue. Of course, marketing people are going to spin it, um, you know, and maybe they do have right, you know, they can have both righteousness and good business sense. So maybe they're like, oh, we're going to pull up stakes um, to, to help um, protect our, our end users' privacy. But if I, Cynical Jerry, had to guess, it's, it's, it's all about the cash, man. Come on. Let's, let's, be, let's be real. Let's be real. Microsoft's new security chief looks to AI to fight hackers. In a Q&A interview with Bloomberg, newly installed ex-Amazon.com cloud computing executive Charlie Bell shares his plans to use AI to fight hackers. He states that people in cybercrime are, quote, innovating to break everything you build. Every time we take a step forward in security, there's somebody out there scratching their head saying, well, what do I do to get around that? How do I break that? End quote. Analogizing the situation to a soccer game where the other side is cheating, it's time, he says, to, quote, shrink the goal down to just about the size of the soccer ball and stretch the field out to be 20 miles long, end quote. The full interview is available at Bloomberg. All right, whatever. So the guy, you know, a man after my heart, using a metaphor to really properly convey the point. Um, yeah, I mean, guys, one of the key things he says in this... One of the key things this Bell dude says is threat, you know, as soon as some technology is developed, there's a threat actor out there immediately trying to figure out how to circumvent it. Yes, this is why we have jobs, right? I mean, we have cybersecurity jobs for multiple reasons, but that's one of them is because it's a constant struggle. You have to be ever vigilant because threat actors quickly adapt um, because it's all, you know, like if they don't adapt, they won't be successful. And if they're not successful, they're not getting paid. And if they're not getting paid, why are they doing it? Right. So. And that's, that's part of the reason why you have to do daily threat briefings because the threat actors, uh, TTPs, not their TTPs change, but the like who who's on the board, all these things. Okay. Now this dude talking about using AI to fight hackers. Um, I agree that AI is valuable and we can use it to help, uh, I don't want to say automate the boring stuff, but you can use it to quickly... Uh, do correlations and find interesting things. And we see products like uh, Intezer, for example, which helps um, SOC analysts see interesting things or do uh, some type of um, uh, like a confidence score, reputational score on on uh, an executable on whether or not it's malware, et cetera, like that. So I, I like AI in order to help um, expedite and make uh, defenders, right, blue teamers specifically, move faster. I do not see iRobot sitting down at the knock and just being like, clack, 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 right? That's not, that's not what it's going to be. That's not, you know, because it's, here's the deal, guys. It is AI, but to the point originally made by the dude here, Bell, AI is just technology, right? We all agree about that. And if threat actors are constantly looking at new technology to figure out how to weaponize it or circumvent it, they're going to just do it to this. F philosophically speaking, if you think that hackers look at new tech and how to get around it, and AI is just tech, you can, you can follow the logical argument here, right? So you're going to have to always have humans in it. So don't sweat uh, AI is coming to take my job, if anyone was worried about that. It just helps you. It's another tool in your toolbox to make you move faster. American Airlines learns it was breached from phishing targets. Following up on a story we brought you last week, American Airlines now says its cybersecurity response team found out about a recently disclosed data breach from the targets of a phishing campaign that was using an employee's hacked Microsoft 365 account. 
The investigation also revealed the attacker accessed multiple employees' accounts, also compromised via phishing attacks, and used them to send more phishing emails to targets that American has not yet disclosed. The company added that the team members' accounts also provided access to employee files stored on the SharePoint cloud-based service. Through this investigation, American was able to determine that the unauthorized actor used an IMAP protocol to access the mailboxes. All right. Uh, a couple things here. One. Um, okay. So American Airlines, they had that breach that got published last week. I think like 9 million records or something like that. Um, now they're saying, okay, they learned about it uh, because of compromised account. They're using Office 365. Somebody got fished. Their creds got taken. Threat actor logged in. Um, another thing that you might you know, keep in mind, uh, once I pop one email address, right? Once I pop one email address, I'm in your business, right? Okay, so like, uh, you know, whatever, Joel Belton's ice cream shop. I pop, you know, Scooper 2. Um, so now I've got her email account. I'm in there. Now I send emails from her account as phishing emails. So now it's not a fake address. It's got a little bit of higher trust authority. It's definitely going to be delivered to the inbox, not uh, spam. And then you can pop that way. It is a little bit of a... a uh, a risk because now you're notifying that that account is compromised. But obviously in this case, it wasn't an issue, especially with a large organization like this. They don't move very quickly. I don't know. I can't speak to American Airlines uh, Information Security Office, how large it is, if they outsource their SecOps capability or not. But um, the one thing I would say about this, guys, is if you're running in an Office 365 shop and you're using Exchange Online Protection, which like 99% of people are going to be doing, right? Like, I don't think you'd be in Office 365 and not use Exchange Online Protection. Um, there are abilities to identify, um, you know, phishing emails, obviously, but in Office 365, there's, there's, you can configure these things called risky sign-ins, um, weird user accounts. Um, like, just go in, you have to obviously have the licensing for this. I think it's like the business tier three or whatever. I, by the way, just as a quick editorial comment, I hate... Microsoft's Azure's Office 365 licensing model. Like, can you just make, like, to me, it's, you know, E3, F5, like, with this, without that. Like, can you just make it plain and simple, please, for people like me who are dumb and just need to, I just need to know, like, I need to access these functions. How much is it going to cost me? Anyways, you have to make sure you have the right things, but you can log in and look at unusual so sign-ins, logins, and stuff like that. Uh, it does get a little uh, tricky if you have users using VPNs, if you have remote sites routing through uh, corporate before exiting onto the internet, those will look risky, but you'll, you should start seeing a pattern. Like if it's Puerto Rico and it's coming out of Florida, right? So like your actual users are in Puerto Rico, but the, the internet drop is Florida. That'll look like a risky sign-in, et cetera. You should be catching these things. You should be notifying um, staff, whether it's incident response or help desk. You know, a, a good, a, a practical use case is when someone goes on travel, like a sales guy or or an executive or something, and doesn't tell anyone, and then all of a sudden they're logging in from Greece. Uh, that should flag, and you should have processes in place to follow up and confirm that that individual is actually not compromised. Um, and you should also not be shy to disable someone's user account if you can't get up with them. Um, just FYI. That's a cultural thing. You have to work that process in, and you obviously have to educate help desk on you know properly validating someone's identity before unlocking that user account and now last week in ransomware 
This past week saw some embarrassment for the LockBit ransomware operation when their programmer leaked a ransomware builder for the LockBit 3.0 encryptor. The LockBit 3.0 ransomware builder makes it easy for any would-be threat actor to roll out their own operation simply by modifying the enclosed configuration file to use custom ransom notes. Other research last week shows how the Black Matter ransomware gang continues to evolve its operation by upgrading its Black Cat data exfiltration tool for double extortion attacks, and ransomware attacks were noted at the New York Racing Association and a New York ambulance service, as well, of course, the Microsoft SQL servers, Maalox ransomware, mentioned at the start of this newscast. All right. A reminder to... All right. So let me just uh, comment on this one. We can ransomware... Last last week was a big one for us, right? Lockbits source code got released. John Hammond did a video on it or a blog post. Go check it out. John Hammond is an excellent, excellent uh, contributor to the cybersecurity community with knowledge and uh, experience. That's a win for us. Um, but at the same time, they talked about how Black Matter evolved its kit. We 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 covered both of these stories in detail in last week's stream. Uh, so I won't go too much into it. You can go back and look at it, but just know that Black Matter, if you're concerned about ransomware, you may want to look at their TTPs because that group is evolving, putting in new functionality, basically investing back into the business instead of just getting uh, straight cash, homie, getting paid and then going to the beach. They're, they're, they're a business enterprise model. So be mindful of that. I don't know what happened with Lockbed, if th those guys are doubling down or if um, they're blowing up their operations because their source code got leaked. Either way, guys, that's going to do it for the threat briefing today. I want to remind everybody later today at 4 p.m. Eastern time, this guy, two thumbs and smiling. You can see I'm wearing my HyperX Arena shirt. I'll be playing World of Haiku at 4 o'clock live on stream if you're interested. Guys, this guy is involved in the betas. So in four days, World of Haiku is dropping new DLC content, a whole new map. Um... It, for the Steam version, right? So the World of Haiku. So if you already own World of Haiku, you're going to be getting new content in four days. At four o'clock today, I'll be playing through some of that new content. There's blue team um, exercises. It's not just red team. Uh, there's some blue team stuff. They actually have what's called dojos in there for you to practice. I'll be playing through some of the dojos and checking that out. I haven't seen the dojos yet. I mean, I've seen them, but I haven't gone into them because I want it to be a, um, a React video. Um, so we'll be experiencing it together. So if you're interested, come hang out at four o'clock, uh, Eastern, uh, later today. We're just a couple minutes early. So I do keep it at 45 minutes. Um, I do keep it at 45 minutes. We're at 843. So I will spend a minute just saying what's up with chat. If you are just here for the news, thank you very much. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful, uh, rest of your day and we'll see you tomorrow at 10 AM Eastern for the Tuesday threat briefing. Remember, uh, when school is in session, I do teach at the Citadel. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, the stream is at 10 a.m. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8 a.m. Thanks for the kind words, Justin Gold. Hey, Chinadu. Tell me more about your experience with Azure. Oh, jo oh, she's talking to Joshua. Not only IT, have a great day. Alfredo, thank you. Oh, yeah, I got to get better. Hey, Bill Green, thank you. Have a great day. I hope you crush it. My pleasure, Andres Escobar. Um, World of Haiku vid at four. Yeah, it'll be great to have you there, Aaron. Um, Naomi, my pleasure. Carl, my pleasure. Guys, I got to get better. We we have to make, uh, we don't, like, this is a community thing, but got to get better at, um, like, hitting, if we hit the like button, I, you don't have to hit it now. It doesn't matter now. 
But if we hit the like button in like the first 10 minutes of going live, my understanding is that YouTube thinks like, oh, this thing's awesome. And it'll start pushing it in front of people like on their homepage and stuff like that. I would really like to experiment and try that. But I always forget because I just I'm just here to do a threat briefing, not really push these things. So, all right, cool, Munchkin. It'd be great to see you. Um, hey, Lupe, Peter, man, I hope everything's well. It's been a minute. Hope, how's that GRC life going? Hope it's good. My pleasure, Tony MBA. My pleasure, Lucy. Hey, Carrie, good to see you. Randall, good morning. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. The like button does go a long way. Yes, Justin Ells, welcome to the live. Hashtag Team Live. I just need to remind everybody. You know what I'm going to do? I'll, I'll put a card. I'll put a card um, that says, you know, like thumbs up or whatever. I'll, I'll make some goofy card and I'll stick it in there and we can just do it collectively. My pleasure, Matt McDaniel. It's what I do. Hey, Nathan Bowen, you crushed that day. Yeah, Lupe, I, I thought you'd love GRC. It is great. Wild West Hacking Fest is right around the corner. I'll be preaching about some GRC love. Remember about the newsletter, everybody. All right. Open AI. I'll check that out. All right. Weekend was good, guys. It, t last week was a, a, a beast for me. Last week was a beast. I did four live streams on Thursday. Um, I did like probably 15 live streams last week. Uh, I won that tournament. I, you know, I was getting haggard. Some of you commented about my face, getting shaved, my haircut. Like I did some personal, <laughs> some personal hygiene maintenance uh, with the haircut and shaving. Uh, you know, Nadine and I, uh, my wife did some cleaning and uh, spent some time with the family. It was, it was very much a, um, um, a, a reset a weekend for me. I didn't do a lot on the tech side, um, which is great. So, all right, guys, that's going to do it. Thanks so much. And we'll see you tomorrow. Or we'll see you at four o'clock later today. Cheers, everybody.